from the Warren County YMCA is Aquatics and Maintenance Director, Mr. Tom Sparkman. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. I get to finally give a good forecast. I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm waiting to uh, turn the water back on over at the pool across the street and get that thing cleaned out and filled so yeah. we can have it open. So. How does that work now that you're going to see those upper 80s? How do you, what goes into getting that thing ready? Well, we put water in in the wintertime uh, to make sure that there's enough water in the pool so the pipes at the bottom of the pool don't freeze and, and crack. Um, so we have to drain that water out, and you can imagine the leaves and things that blow in there and what that water looks like. But if we don't get it cleaned out as soon as we drain it, then it dries in there, and then we'll never get that algae off the, the sides of the pool. So... I have to wait until the water gets turned back on because we have to shut down all the water. There's no heat in the building and, and everything else. So Okay. What's your expected time frame of opening the pool? Tell um, us a quick little bit about that. Real quick, our target date is uh, Saturday, uh, the 4th of June. Um, we want to make sure that we're, we're ready by Memorial Day if we can. Um, but the last several years, just the weather has not been conducive to open a pool on Memorial Day weekend. So um, we always shoot for at least a Saturday after that to make sure that we're ready to open and, and go from there. So, What are you expecting the hours to be? Uh, normal hours out there. Uh, Monday through Friday, our open swim is from noon to 6. Um, we, last year, we opened at 8 a.m. for lap swim and for swim lessons. Uh, that runs until 11. And then from 11 until about 11.45, our day camp is slotted to use the pool. And then after 6 p.m., the pool's available for private parties. And a couple days a week, our fitness department runs fitness classes outside. Okay, sounds like sounds like fun. I'm glad it's mm-hmm. going to be open. Absolutely, it is. And it's a lot of fun to be there and, and work there, actually. So. Yeah. How many lifeguards do you have to have? Uh, depends on the day and the capacity we have. We try and maintain uh, a ratio of about one lifeguard to 25 swimmers. Um, we have a whole plan that takes us up to up to 400 swimmers. Um, and our ratio, you know, raises from there just a little bit. But if we get more than nine lifeguards on deck, I think they'll be bumping into each other. Right. <laughs> so on a busy day, typically we have four to six lifeguards. Okay. And what's the cost? Uh, standard cost for getting in a daily uh, pass or daily entry fee is $5. Um, we do have season passes. Um, they start at um, $100 for the first member, and then they go up incrementally for – uh, other members of the household by $30 for our YMCA members. Now for non-members, those passes start at $150 and they go up by $50 per family member after that. Okay. Um, we also have punch cards. Uh, the punch cards are 15 punches for $60. So that saves you a little money on a, on a daily uh, pass. So. Okay. Looking forward to it, Tom. What else mm-hmm. do you have this morning? Oh, let's see. First of all, I want to say thank you to our community. Um, we recently completed our banner campaign drive for Kids Need Heroes. Um, I'm not a money guy over there other than telling Sam how much money it's going to take to fix the pool or fix the building. Or So I'm not exactly sure what our income was from that. I just do know that it was very successful, and I want to say thank you to the community for their support. Um, our next uh, big event that we have coming up is the YMCA Memorial 5K. And that is going to be the Saturday before Memorial Day. The funds raised from that event will go to support the VFW and the American Legion here in town. So if you're interested in running, you can register online or in person here at the YMCA in Monmouth. The cost for that is $30. And if you're interested in volunteering, 
come over to the Y, talk to the front desk, ask for Stacy Bass, our fitness director, and we can give you something to do for a volunteer for that event if you're interested. Okay, sounds good. So. All right. What else do you have for us this morning? Um, primary thing I want to talk about this morning is aquatic safety. Um, I have a couple different topics I want to cover, three different topics I want to cover. One of the things uh, that we've been discussing over at the Y is, you know, parents uh, wondering about whether or not our guards are rescue ready. Um, you know, what is rescue ready? That's when your lifeguards are on duty. They have all the appropriate equipment they're supposed to be carrying on themselves, a rescue tube, um, a hip pack, uh, proper uniform. They're alert. Um, they're oriented on the pool. They're conducting surveillance, constant surveillance, which is not just watching the pool. It's actively scanning the pool and making sure that, you know, both top, middle, and bottom uh, and all areas of their zone are covered as far as looking for possible drowning victims or distressed swimmers. Um, but parents, every now and then, my lifeguards are human. They need breaks once in a while. And occasionally, myself, other directors, or one of the other directors, uh, a couple of my head lifeguards, were available to go relieve them so they can take a five-minute break and use the restroom. And parents see us standing on deck in anything from jeans to... I've been on deck in like cargo pants, a polo shirt, and, and my hiking boots. Mm -hmm. And they're like, are you going to jump in like that? And I kind of chuckle because I, <laughs> I'm going to do more than just encourage somebody who's having trouble swimming. But um, absolutely, we are going to jump in. And we have trained to that standard. People are like, you put clothes on and jump in the pool? Yeah. And it's not as easy as it sounds. If you have never done it before... Um, we do it in a controlled environment. We do it during our in-services. Um, a couple years ago, I recognized that in the wintertime, some of our lifeguards were on the deck. They were in uniform, but they were wearing a hoodie. And I walked up to them and said, have you ever jumped in with one of those things on? Jumping in a pool or body of water with a pair of sweats on is probably one of the most difficult things you can do in an aquatic environment. It is amazing how much that type of clothing weighs you down mm -hmm. when it gets saturated with water. But yeah, we train for a whole hour and a half in the pool like that. And I know my lifeguards can do it. I know I can do it. Um, matter of fact, the last time we did the training, I, I'm a retired Marine. So I brought a whole set of camis and combat boots and everything else and jumped in the pool with all that on. They're like, you're crazy. Mm, maybe, but you know. <laughs> But so, you got them ready. They're I got ready. them ready, okay. you know, and, and they know how to do it. So if you see us standing on the pool deck and we've got a rescue tube and we've got our hip pack and, you know, because we're helping a lifeguard, but we're not in our guard uniform, that's not the norm. And, and it nobody should be out there for more than five or ten minutes like that. Sure. If, if somebody's out there for an hour, then, then there's a problem. Um, but uh, if you see one of us out there on the deck, yeah, we're, we're prepared to jump in with all of our clothes on. It, <laughs> Let's hope you don't have to. I, I hope we don't have to either. So, I mean, at the outdoor pool, there's a lot of times when, when kids try and swim beyond their ability. And we get distressed swimmers, you mm -hmm. know, a couple times a week. And my guards jump in all the time to, to help those kids out. And it happens. You know, that's why we have the lifeguards there. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping I don't have to jump in with my clothes on. But, yeah, we definitely can. Okay. So, um. Another big topic I'd like to cover, and this is something I just went through our, our annual aquatics audit um, with our insurance, and we had a, a long discussion about it, um, is something called hypoxic blackout, um, also known as shallow water blackout. 
Um, this is what happens when there's a loss of consciousness uh, from an underwater swimmer or diver during um, what they call an apnea uh, submersion or cessation of breathing or, or breath holding, um, preceded by hyperventilation. Okay, um, People who are sick can hyperventilate and have no control over it. Um, people sometimes hyperventilate to raise their oxygen level in their blood. Um, and that's one of the things that can cause hypoxic blackout from from breath holding. Um, I don't know how well versed in you know different medical fields you know a lot of the listeners are, but the reason most of us breathe, and I actually learned a lot of this uh, this semester going through an EMT course, but the reason most of us breathe is because our body is actually trying to get rid of carbon dioxide. Um, so what happens is in that chemical process of over-oxygenating your blood, um, it can actually kind of trick your brain into forgetting to breathe. Um, and if somebody is trying to swim long distances underwater, uh, trying to dive to depths that they're not capable of diving to, I mean, granted our pools are only 12 and a half feet deep, but you know, for, for some of the younger people, that might be pretty, a pretty good challenge. Um, but what happens is if you hyperventilate and then try and hold your breath and you spend more time than you should underwater, it's entirely possible that your body could forget to breathe and you would black out underwater with pretty much no notice. Sure. Um, I was informed that over the past six months, there have been eight fatal drownings. And I'm not sure if that's here in our region or in Illinois, but eight fatal drownings due to hypoxic blackout. So, and I know this is something the lifeguards are trained to, to watch out for and, you know, stop children from doing because, you know, and believe it or not, it, a lot of times it's, it's the younger boys that, you know, want to impress their buddies or uh, say, this is how long I can hold my breath. And, and they'll actually, we'll, we'll see them start to hyperventilate and then try and lay still in the water. And, you know, if, if, if somebody's laying still in the water, my guards are going in. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, and you know what, that could you know, embarrass a teenage boy or whatever, and that I'm not overly worried about. We're worried about making sure that they're safe and, and staying alive. If we actually see them do it, we will, you know, con you know, approach them and let them know that, hey, that's not something that they should be doing in the pool. Okay. Yeah, let's try to prevent any tragedies. It's not a safe activity. Absolutely. So um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is uh, pool requirements. Okay. Um, you know, we have beautiful pool facilities over there at the YMCA, both the indoor and outdoor pool, and I'm so grateful, one, that we have it and that we can offer it and make a safe environment for everyone. But, um, you know, I also, and I used to have one, um, I just don't use it too much, but I've also noticed driving around town, there's a lot of pools in backyards. And, you know what, it's a fun thing to have. It's a great thing to have. Um, uh, I enjoyed mine for... What, probably about five six years before we finally took it down because we just weren't using it anymore because we opened the new pool mm -hmm. um but um one of the things i've noticed in several of them is they're not fenced um, and that actually concerns me as an aquatics professional mm -hmm. um, i'm worried about you know the safety of everybody in the community uh, from that standpoint because you know kids are curious um People can be wandering around town doing silly things. I know teenagers, and I hate to, to lump them into the group, but 
they go out, you know, in the evenings or wherever else and do silly things. Okay. Um, and I would hate for any homeowner that has a pool to, you know, wake up the next morning and, and find a, a victim at the bottom of their pool. Um, if, if your pool's not fenced, I would highly encourage, you know, the pool to be fenced. Um, there are requirements uh, that I found on the Monmouth uh, Town Hall page of what the requirements for, you know, keeping a safe pool in town are. Um, they have to do with heights of the pool. They have to do with uh, locking ladders. If you have an above-ground pool, you can, you can disable entry into the pool, you know, and granted, four feet to get a climb over the edge of a pool isn't much for, for most teenagers. It is for little ones, and, and that's good if you can remove the ladder or at the very least lock the ladder. Um, you know, and I know when I had my pool, my granddaughter at the age of two would try and climb the ladder even when it was locked. Okay, um, so, you know, those are, those are some of the things to think about when you own a pool. Um, make sure you know the zoning requirements in town. Um, make sure uh, your barriers, um, just an idea of the barrier requirements that I, I pulled, uh, design controls are intended to provide protection against uh, potential drowning or near drowning by restricting access, okay? And that's, that's pools, spas, and hot tubs, okay? So if you can, get a fence around it. Um, the top of the barrier, so if it's an above-ground pool, and it hasn't kind of sunk in the ground a couple inches. Most of them are about four feet tall, but after they sat there for a couple of years, they, they tend to sink. But um, the top of the barrier needs to be at least 48 inches tall. Okay. Okay. Um, if the uh, above ground pool structure is used uh, as a barrier or where the barrier is mounted on top of the pool structure, uh, means of access uh, by ladder or steps, those need to be secured to prevent anybody from going up there. Um, and uh, maximum uh, mesh size for chain link fence is two and a quarter inches, okay, unless they're slats. So it's amazing what can get through there. Um, and, you know, any access gates and things of that nature should be self-closing. Okay. That's another thing. So Good information, Tom. Um, best practices, um, pool alarms. Mm -hmm. um, they make uh, alarms that actually float on top of pools. Um, you can find them anywhere from about $130 to about $400. Um, it's an alarm that sounds both outside in the pool very loud, and then you can have a remote inside your house. Mm -hmm. um, the only problem with that is, is, is that going to work if you're away on vacation? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but at least it would alert your neighbors that something was going on. Sure. So, but yeah. Okay. Anything else you got for us this morning? Those are the big topics that I wanted to talk about. You got any questions for me? I think you covered it. <laughs> I think you covered it all. So good to know about when the pool opens and Aquatic Safety Month. And we definitely want to make sure that we prevent any tragedies uh, from happening for sure. Thanks for the information, Tom. We'll talk to you again soon. And thanks for your service in the United States military. Thank you, Vanessa. Have a great weekend. Tom Sparkman with us, Aquatics and Maintenance Director with the Warren County YMCA on 1330 WRAM and FM 94.1.